begin the PowerPoint, let's begin with Psalm 19 verse, Psalm 19 verse 14, and you may ask, wow, Pastor Chandler feels like I'm in school, good, it's about time you become a disciple, which is a student, a studier, say it with me, I'm a studier, studier. and what what I've simply given you, uh, as you fill in the blanks, is that these are talking points. For you to use with God in prayer this week and next week and the following week. How many of you do talk to God? Okay, I'm giving you talking points. So that you and God can have a conversation. That you and God can go deeper with this. You and God can see victory together. And if you look at your notes, Psalm 19 verse 14. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength. In my Redeemer. Read it with me, please, out loud. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength in my Redeemer. Now, I want to give you my disclaimer right up front. I didn't know what Bishop had preached about last Sunday. I didn't know. No one told me. I found out, I think, Thursday night what Bishop had preached about the heart. How many of you remember the heart last Sunday? Okay. How many of you are awake? I know you were present, but were you awake? Okay, good, good, good. Hallelujah. And th- thank you for being dutiful and faithful to be here. But you're here. Hallelujah. Okay, so so, so I didn't know that, but God prepared the ground. Amen. God prepared the ground because God knew that he had already told me a month ago or two months ago to minister this to you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Last year, 2016, was by far the best year of my life. You see how there's an amen corner here. It was the best year. It was the best year of my life. And when it's the best year for me, it's usually the best year for her too. Hallelujah. Because she has to live with me. And if it was a bad year for me, <laughs> praise the Lord. So, so God was super gracious to me last year. And I'm telling you, in all areas, in all aspects of my life, we had the best Christmas with our adult children ever. You don't understand. Both my wife and I are lion personalities. If you understand the disc system, uh, we, you know, Myers-Briggs, we are, we are high, 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 high lion, high L. And rawr, you know, both you know, strong leaders because of our calling. Well, we raise three lions. One lion and two lionesses. And when we get together, there's a whole lot of roaring. Tell the truth and shame the devil. There's a whole lot of you know, posturing and circling and, you know, pissing on the ground, marking my territory and, you know, just, mm, mm, mm. and I'm like, Jesus, heal us. 
But, you know, they're all mighty in God. They're all strong personalities. Nobody wants to back down. But we had peace this Christmas. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You don't understand. The best year of my life. Best year. And, and, and so many, I mean, the, the anointing just went up exponentially. Prophetic gifting went up exponentially. I'm shocked at what I see now. It's too late, you're already here. Don't let anybody out, please, Michael. Michael, guard the door. Don't let nobody out. It's too late. And, and so just enjoying God's presence and enjoying the Lord speaking and enjoying hearing and say, wow, I've just never heard this depth before. It's fun. God sharing secrets. How many of y'all want to know some secrets? Yeah, yeah. So this, this is what happens when you have the best year of your life. And, and some of you know that, that, that my friends got together and they sent me on a cruise. My dream cruise for 20 days. A Holy Land cruise for 20 days. And you didn't know cruise lines. It was on Seaborn. That's not the Cadillac of cruises. It's the Maserati. Every room is a suite. Every cabin is a suite. Every cabin is a suite. And my friends paid for it. My friends surprised me. And my friends sent me. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. And God spoke to me deeper at the end of that cruise. God spoke to me deeper than he's spoken to me in a long time. And what he did was he, he, he gave me, he gave me a movie of Chandler's life and he opened my eyes and I saw at each and every point he was there. He was there. He was there. And I felt his love like I've never felt it. It was the best year of my life. And guess what? The Lord told me to teach you how to have yours this year. What I'm going to share with you is what God had to do in me and what by his grace I permitted him to do and what by his grace I'm permitting him to do. Because this is going to be my best year also. This one's going to be better than last year. But you say, but, but, you know, because, you know, the Lord spoke to us, the Lord spoke to us at the beginning of the year last year and he said, this will be the best year of your life. And then and it was, but you know what? I realized I didn't get it all. So like Joshua, I told the son to stand still. Yes. Oh, yes, I did. I told the son to stand still because I didn't get all my victory over all my enemies. And thank God he is not bound by our Roman calendar. But a year to the Lord, it's like a, it's like a thousand years. The Lord can stretch it because he's sovereign and almighty and he can do what he wants to do. Say it with me, Lord, do it. Say this year, this year is, this year is going to be your best year. And, and just write this down. The, the, the first, the first point here, this, this verse highlights the need and promise of his strength and redemption. This verse highlights the need and promise of his strength and redemption. The Lord told me to tell you that this year he's going to show up for you in the anointing and the grace 
of redemption. Redemption. How many of you need some stuff to be redeemed? Turned around. It's about time for some of you to wake up. How many of you need God to redeem some things? Some boo-boos, some mess-ups, some slip-ups, some some just just weren't paying attention. And, you know, how'd that get by me? What was I thinking moment? What was I thinking? Thank the Lord for redemption. Look at your notes. So, so this, this revelation of the redeemer, revelation of the redeemer, this, 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 this revelation that's in this verse that, that God says, if you walk in this, I'm going to show up. Like never before, and you're going to know my strength this year like never before, and it won't be you and your strength anymore. It's going to be me and my strength in you, and you're going to see that I'm your personal redeemer. Personal. God's making this personal this year. A redeemer is what is a protector. The well, one version says that word redeemer means he's a protector. Another version says he's a defender. Another version says he's a helper. Another version says he's the one who saves me. Another version says, he's the one who rescues me. Say, Lord, rescue me. me. Jessica had us cry out today. there's There's a need to cry out. The Lord pays attention to people who cry out. There was a blind man making so much noise. The disciples got annoyed. Tell him to shut up. But the Lord hears the one who cries out. So let's walk through this process of redemption. It it says very clearly, write this down, that the words of my mouth, the words of my mouth are critical and crucial. The words of my mouth, say my mouth, not somebody else's mouth. The power is in your mouth. The words of my mouth, say my mouth. If you look at Psalm 19, uh, verse 14, in the, in the Living Bible, read this with me out loud in the Living Bible. May my spoken words, read it with me, may my spoken words and unspoken thoughts be pleasing even to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Hallelujah. May my spoken words and unspoken thoughts, may my spoken words and unspoken thoughts. May my spoken words and unspoken thoughts. If you look at Proverbs 18.21, let me just read it to you. Oh, you got it up here. Proverbs 18.21. Read it with me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We have it, right? Yes? Okay, read it with me, please. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Write this down. The power of life and death are in the words of my mouth. The power. Say the power. power. There's power in your mouth. Now, only God's words are omnipotent, but our words are potent. Power is in your mouth. Power is in my mouth. The next verse, uh, Proverbs 12, 13 through 14. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips. But the righteous will come through trouble. 
a man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. And the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. So one's life is the sum total of the fruit of your lips. Your life is a sum total of the fruit of your lips. I'm just giving you talking points with God when you go to prayer this week. Proverbs 13 and 2. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth? My mouth determines how well I eat. My mouth determines how well I live. But the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. Proverbs 18 and 20. Proverbs 18 and 20. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. Every blessing from God that he has for you is in your mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Your mouth, what you allow in your mouth, what you allow to come forth from your lips determines whether you're going to be empty or full in life. Point number three, Proverbs 22, 17 through 18. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge for it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips. Write this down please. Simply put, good things come to wise lips. Good things come to wise lips. Wise lips. If you let your whip, lips be yeah, your whips. If you let your lips become wise, good things will gravitate toward you, to you. They'll be drawn to you. There'll be an eternal magnet in you, and good things will just have a have a just this knack for finding you. If you let your lips be wise. Number four, Matthew twelve thirty one. Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven man. And that's not the verse I want, but it's a good one. Well, anyway, write down, write down the talking point. We'll, we'll, we'll fix that later. That's a good one, too. Thank you, Jesus, for saying that to us. Write this down. Unfortunate things come to unwise lips. I'll give you the. Right verse next time. Unfortunate things come to unwise lips. Point number five. Point number five. Now Matthew 12, 34 is correct. Jesus said, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the Luke 6, 45. Luke 6, 45. A good man, a good woman, out of the good treasure of his, her heart, brings forth good brings forth good out of the treasure of your heart comes good out of the treasure of your heart comes good and the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil 
So whatever is in your heart, as, as the old saints used to say in the church of God in Christ, the old saints used to say, I knew I'd get an amen eventually. And the old saints, the old saints used to say, whatever's in you's got to come out. Whatever's in you's got to come out. I forgot the rest of it, but, but anyway. Whatever's in you's got to come out. And it will. Whatever, whatever's stored up in there will either bubble out or seep out. I know what I'm talking about. I speak from experience. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. That, that your heart tells on you. Your, my heart tells on me. Tells on me. Tells on me. Sometimes I'm shocked and amazed and I'm, I'm, I'm wounded. I'm humiliated. I'm embarrassed. I want to climb under a rock because what I said was in my heart. And sometimes it's exposed in a test. God loves to call pop quizzes. No forewarning. No notice. He doesn't say, okay, Friday when you were leaving classroom, Monday's going to be a pop quiz. He says, no, 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 he doesn't tell you. And so he lets somebody cut you off on, 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 on the road. No signal. You almost slam into somebody. And I, bless him, Lord, bless him. That's not what you say all the time. <laughs> what happened? Your heart was exposed. What you said, what you said revealed what's in your heart. Somebody snaps at you. And we're going to find out also what you don't say reveals your heart. So write this down, please. You cannot ignore the heart mouth connection. You cannot ignore the heart mouth connection. There is a heart-mouth connection in the spirit. There's a heart-mouth connection in the economy, the kingdom of God. They are inseparable. The mouth will speak what's in the heart, and the heart and the heart will speak. The heart will speak out of the mouth. And it's nothing you can do about it. You can't control it. Not forever. Our heart's like a pressure cooker. When the pressure's too great, we either implode or explode. And the whole time it was in the heart. Point B. Your heart is a fulcrum of everything good and bad in life. Your heart is a fulcrum. The deciding factor, the, the springboard, the, the wellspring, the heart is that which triggers everything good and unfortunately bad in life. Psalm 1914 in the Living Bible. Again, may my spoken words and unspoken thoughts be pleasing even to you, O Lord, my rock 
and my redeemer. May my spoken words and unspoken thoughts. For Samuel 16 and 7, 1 Samuel 16 and 7 is there. And let me read in the message Bible. But, but God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. God sent Samuel to anoint a king. He was tired of Saul. He, had, he was done with Saul. He had rejected Saul. Although Saul would go on to rule a good number 20, 25 years. But God was done with him. You can still be operating. And God's done with you. You can still be ministering. And God's finished. Why is he using you? Because he has to. Why is he using you? Because he loves his people. Why is he using you? Because he... Is after somebody. He'll let you preach and he's done with you. Done. Done. Oh, oh my Lord, Lord, Lord. I'm finding out so much. Just because the anointing hits you doesn't mean he's pleased with you. Mm. Mm. Just because you're gifted doesn't mean he's pleased with you. There are many reasons why God will use somebody. It doesn't mean anything about whether. It doesn't answer the, the, the ultimate question, is he pleased with me? People are growing churches and growing ministries and God has left them. But, but what, but okay, the rest of it says, so, so don't be impressed. He says, don't be impressed. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already, I've already eliminated him. This is when, when, when the prophet, the prophet, say the prophet. With, with all this incredible discernment, the prophet can't see that he's not the one because the prophet is enamored with the way the guy looks. Just like us. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face and the body. God looks into the heart. This hit me like a sledgehammer last year. Like a Mack truck. I said, God, you mean to tell me that everything, everything they taught me in church to look at, to judge by, to discern, to pay attention to the outward man, the outward appearance, the outward appearance, the outward appearance, the outward appearance. The outward appearance, that's what holiness is. The outward appearance, that's what holiness is. The outward appearance. And, and this verse says, God has said, I don't even look at that stuff. I don't even look at it. I don't even look at it. And you built your whole foundation of your religion on it. Sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. And you're looking in the wrong place. Sermon after sermon. Sermon after sermon. The outward man. The outward appearance. Well, how does it look on the outside? How many degrees after their name? How many degrees do they have? How many zeros in their bank account? What kind of car do they drive? How do they dress? Where do they live? God doesn't even look at it. He's looking somewhere else. When we pick a spouse, 
What do we look at? You get yourself a fine devil. Yeah, she fine, but you, oh Lord have mercy. You're you going you gonna to pay for that beauty. You're going to pay and 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 pay. Oh yeah, he looks like Samson, but you're going to pay and pay and pay. It, it, it won't take long. You're going to pay and pay and pay. Maybe the, the night of the wedding, you're going to pay and pay and pay and pay. And because you were looking in the wrong place, wrong place, wrong place, wrong place, wrong place. You should have been looking in the heart. Unlike humans, God focuses, write this down, God focuses on the heart. Unlike humans. God focuses on the heart. Unlike humans, God focuses on the heart. Why? Proverbs 27, 19. Very clear. Very, it's very clear to God. Proverbs 27, 19. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. God looks at the heart because that's the real you. Not the performance on Sunday. Not trying to impress us on Sunday. Not not trying to satisfy your spiritual leader. God wants to see the real you, so he looks at the heart. This is why, to be honest with you, this is why I abhor, I loathe dating. See, Elder Roy and I have to counsel y'all after you marry your fine thing. If you have sense enough to come to counseling. Your educated thing. Your rich thing. Your popular thing. He's still a thing. And, and so what happens is that, is that on, on a date, as they say, we put our best foot forward. You never smell that good. You never look that good. You never eat that well. Let them see you at home eating when no one's looking. Let them see all your fingers in your plate. Let them... I wish we could have chaperone nights where I would be in the middle and, 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 and you could wake up in the morning and smell each other with me there in the middle. See, see, the date is this great performance. You deserve an Academy Award. You say the right things. You, 
control your anger. You, you smile at all of his horrible jokes. Because <laughs> you don't want to be rejected and you don't want this to be the last date. So, <laughs> And you're thinking, oh my God. <laughs> Deliver me, Lord. Why shall I be bound? But you are there and, 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 and you, you are, you are, you are being deceived. Where do you learn about people? Go home with them. See how they relate to their family. See how he treats to his, treats his mother. Because the way he treats his mother is the way he's going to treat you. See how she treats her father. What are her thoughts about her father? And you know, he, 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 he may have been a scoundrel. Well, what are her thoughts about her father? God will show you more when you visit her family, his family, than when you're on a date. Because God looks at the heart because it reveals the real person. When they're not pretending, when they're not trying to put their best foot forward, when they're not, when they're not performing. Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. There is absolutely nothing more important than the condition of your heart. There's nothing more important than the condition of your heart. Well, Pastor Chandler, what kind of dating can we do? Well, like I said, you can do whatever you want to do. I, you know, I'm, I'm not your boss. I'm just recommending that you that you date and you date with your family. Let your family get their eyes on him. Let your family as soon as possible. Date with your friends. Let your best friends get their eyes on him. Only the people in the front row saying amen. Only the pastors. I understand. I understand. Welcome to my world. I get it. Let somebody else more spiritual, who's neutral, who's not emotional about this thing, who is not subjective. Let somebody objective look at this person up and down, up and down, up in and out. What I mean up and down, I mean in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And help you see what you can't see. What you can't see. What you can't see. Breathe them under the microscope. Of those who are spiritually mature. Let them, let them go on a date with him. And her. No one, no one beyond the first row is saying anything. There's a holy hush. Let the church be silent. I know Bishop led us in the song, be still, but not now. <laughs> you say, but, but Pastor Chandler, you, you, you shouldn't talk. You have no nerve. Look at Pastor China. I want to come home to Pastor China too. You know, I understand. I understand. I understand. But see, what you don't understand, she'll tell you the first thing I looked at in her was her heart. She'll tell you. I examined her. Our first date was at church. And ask her. Then we, we, we went to a restaurant. Yes, I asked her 30 spiritual questions. <laughs> spiritual questions. How do you study the Bible? Because what, what's the last thing God said to you in the word? 
I saw her beauty. But listen, I'm from a divorced family. My daddy married three beautiful women. Divorced all three of them. Sorry. I'm looking deeper. There's absolutely, say nothing, there's nothing, say nothing. There's absolutely nothing more important than the condition of your heart above all else, above all else, above all else. Number four, number four, Proverbs 4.23 in the New Living Translation, guard your heart above all things, for it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Write this down. Your heart is the rudder of your life. Your heart is. Not, Not somebody else. Not the devil. Your heart is the rudder of your life. Your heart will take you where you need to go in God. Number five, Proverbs 4, 23, the common Jewish Bible. This is what the Jews say. Above everything else, guard your heart, for it is the source of life's consequences. Your heart is the source of life. So write this down. Your heart is the catalyst, is the catalyst of everything. Your heart. Your heart. Your heart. So number six, see, this is the deal. Because if you, if you look at the verse again, it says, it says, may my spoken words and unspoken thoughts be pleasing even to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So number six, so when it says the meditation of your heart, write this down, it means thoughts. The thoughts of your heart. The musings, one version says. The murmurings, it says in the Hebrew. The murmurings. And so I, I, I've discovered, I've discovered, uh, because the, the, the way I had the, my best year last night, I had to begin to police my murmuries because I discovered that my heart is in, mm, mm, I don't say a word sometimes, but mm, 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 they treated me that way. Mm, 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 they didn't give me that. Mm, 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 and they disrespected me. Mm, 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 and the Lord said, channel, 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 channel. Your unspoken thoughts, your unspoken thoughts are messing you up. Messing you up, messing you up. Your unspoken thoughts, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Okay, yeah, you don't say it because I used to say it. And, you know, and so he had to teach me to stop saying it. But that was not enough. It was still in my heart. So the second phase was, I got to get it out of your heart, Chandler. The murmuring, the uh, disgruntled, and griping and complaining. and That's not right, man. Look, can you imagine what they look like? Why they wear that at church? Who is her color coordinator? I'm telling you, the unspoken thoughts. The unspoken thoughts. You never say it. They never know. They never know your thoughts. But your thoughts are not right. Not right. And the unspoken thoughts are hurting us. The unspoken thoughts are killing our success. Determining the course of our life. And you never say a word. But your thoughts. Your thoughts. Your thoughts are powerful. Your thoughts. Your thoughts. I had to begin to watch my thoughts and guard my thoughts and, and, and say, Lord, that thought's wrong. Deal with me. And now, now I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning how to hear my thoughts. My thoughts. My thoughts when somebody does something I don't think they should have done. I, don't, I wish they hadn't done. Shannon, watch your thoughts. Guard your thoughts, Chandler. Even my thoughts, Lord. Yeah, your thoughts. I knew my words, Lord, but they didn't tell me about my thoughts. We judge, we criticize, 
we judge and we criticize. And I think, I think, I think, I think we're experts at judging in the holiness church. And I'm one of you. I think we're trained as children to judge, criticize, be better, superior. I speak in tongues. You don't speak in tongues. This is not a, this is not a fraternity, a sorority. You don't pledge to get into this. Well, I tarry. You just haven't tarried enough. If you tarry like I tarried. If you fasted like I fasted. If you laid on the floor. No, it didn't do you any good. I'm not doing it. All right, so. God is looking at the heart, the heart, the thoughts, the unspoken thoughts. And we put people down and we talk about people in our hearts and we accuse people in our hearts and we think we're better. We think we're better. We really think we're better. We really think we're better. God hears it all. I know you're preaching to me. But God's been helping me stop, assault, accost your thoughts, Chandler. Tell those thoughts, no, get out of me. Pull that thought down, take a captivity. If somebody does you wrong, it's a test, it's a pop quiz. To see what your th- where your thoughts are going to go. Mm, mm. Where your thoughts going to land. Where your thoughts going to land. Are you going to see God in this? Or are you going to gripe for the weak? Be a grump. I didn't know I was so grumpy. I'm not the only one. I'm in good company. I didn't know I was so critical. Well, yes, I did. And he told me that early in my marriage. I didn't know I worried so much. I didn't know I worried so much. I had no idea so many of my thoughts were anxious. I didn't know that. I didn't know how anxious I am. How worried, how afraid, how insecure, how inadequate. His word will invade your thoughts. Not to harm you, not to hurt you, but to heal you. He sent his word to heal us. Let's finish. Here, this may be the most important point. Write this down. Ultimately, the Lord must be satisfied. Ultimately, the Lord must be satisfied. If you notice the verse, the verse is very clear. It says, let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord. Not my mama's sight, not my daddy's sight, not my tribe's sight, not my culture's sight. 
not the rest of my family. Because some of y'all will say in a minute, I have a temper problem like my daddy. Well, I wouldn't claim that if I were you. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that in the airways, and I certainly wouldn't settle for that. Because by the blood of Jesus, you have a new daddy. And you can claim everything that's in the heart of your new daddy into your heart. Tell somebody, I have a new daddy. Hallelujah. Tell I have a new mother. I have a new mother. And, and so it is, it is you know, because the, the Holy Spirit is, is the many-breasted God. He's a complete God. He's a complete God. He's all you need. He's a father you need. He's a mother you need. He's a brother you need. He's a sister you need. He's the aunt and the uncle you need. He's our all in all. And so he is all. He is all. Ultimately the Lord, but the Lord must be satisfied. Not your... He said, but, but this, is the, the, this is the way we do it in my tribe. Well, you better make sure your tribe is biblical. The, the behaviors of your tribe are biblical because the Lord must be satisfied. Say it with me. The Lord must be satisfied. It's, it's very important. It's very important that the Lord, so write this down. Number one, it must be acceptable in his sight. In his sight. Number two, number two, it must be pleasing to him. Number three, number three, there is a higher standard. Say higher. There's a higher standard. There's a higher standard than your culture. There's a higher standard than your tribe. There's a higher standard than your family. There's a higher standard than those in your neighborhood and community. There's a higher standard than what's in this church. There's a higher standard. It's the Lord's standard. It's the Lord's standard. And we must rise up to his standard by the grace of God, by the mercy of God. We must allow him to lift us up to his standard and stop acting like your dad and your mama. Start acting like your heavenly father. That's why it was so critical that Jessica led us in the song this morning, crying out to God, saying, make me like you. I've been like my family all these years. I've got all the junk from my family, but make me like you. I cry out to you. And it's a dry and weary land because I see how bad it is. I see the stuff in me from my parents. I love my parents, but that's not my destiny. That's not my destiny. My wife and I saw her parents say married for 61 years. Fidelity, faithfulness, commitment, and we honor that. But we said to each other, we don't ever want to have a marriage like them. We don't ever want to have a marriage like them, ever, ever. Thank God for the 61 years. We're going to have more than that together. Hallelujah. But we don't want that kind of marriage. We reject that in the name of Jesus because our daddy has a better marriage for us. Our daddy has a better life for us. Say, daddy, you have a better life for me. Don't settle. Don't settle. Don't settle. Number four, you, you don't have this on the PowerPoint. Let me read it to you. But this is the uh, Psalm 1914 in the easy to read version. May my words and my thoughts please you. Lord, you are my rock, the one who rescues me. See, it's got to please him because he's the one that has to rescue you. This is real simple. It has to please him because he's the one who has to rescue you. It has to please him. It's not whether you pleased. It's not whether you felt like, you know, you made your point. It's it's not whether you feel like, you know, you got your day in court. It has to please him. It better please him. Porquet. 
Because he's the one who has to rescue you. Now's the time to wake up. Now's the time to wake up. He's the one who has to rescue you. He's the one who has to rescue you. It has to please him. It has to satisfy him. So if everything is about the way your family did it, you're in trouble. You're in deep water. You're in deep water. You're in sinking sand. Only the Lord, only the Lord can deliver. Only the Lord can redeem. Only the Lord can turn it around. Only the Lord can rescue. Only the Lord. Only the Lord. Number five. This, this verse tells us that he is listening and watching. He's listening to the words of my mouth. He's watching. He's watching the thoughts of my heart. He's listening. He has a thesoscope, a Holy Ghost thesoscope on my heart and is talking to him. Talking to him. And he said, hmm, interesting. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if they know that's in their heart. Hmm. Michael, did you hear that? Yeah, Lord, I heard it. Gabriel? I heard it, Father. I heard it. I wonder if they know, Father. They don't know. Because they haven't asked me. Lord, show me what's really in my heart. So here's the promise so we can pray. Here's the promise. The promise of redemption. The Amplified Version. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. My firm, impenetrable rock and my redeemer. Who's the redeemer? I can't hear you. Who's redeemer? Who's rock? Who's rock? Tell the person next to you, he's my rock. Tell him he's my redeemer. And the Lord said to tell you, I don't care how bad it is in your life. You're going to see redemption this year. You're going to see redemption this year. Hear me? It doesn't matter who's in the White House. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. Obama couldn't save us and Trump can't save us. But I know a redeemer. I know a rescuer. I know somebody who's got their eyes on me and he is rescuing me. I was rescued so much last year. It was laughable at a point. It was hilarious. Everything I wanted, everything I asked for, I just learned to ask for it. Y'all make it no, I get yeses, but you're going to get yes this year. See, because, because when, when, when you bring your heart under the microscope of God's word and you're serious about it, you say, God, I want you to deal with me. I don't want you to play any games with me because my life is at stake. My life is it. Don't play any games with me. I don't care. It may hurt my feelings, but, but beam in, Scotty. Show me what's in my heart. Put your finger on whatever you need to put your finger on. Deal with my pride. Deal with my arrogance. Deal with my conceit. Deal with my need to look good in front of others. Lord, bring me into a place of humility. And I told the Lord, I don't care what it costs. Cause Lord, I want what you have for me. Maybe you want, maybe you come to church and play games. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. I 
It's not in me anymore. It's not in me. So number one, so we can pray. He is able to demonstrate his strength to those who respect, say respect, who respect the heart-mouth connection. You've got to respect it. You've got to respect it. Number two, his redemption comes in tangible ways to those who police their hearts. Please hear me. Prophetically, God is going to turn major blunders around for you. Major boo-boos. Who's had some boo-boos? Some of y'all look really pious and deep. Who's had some boo-boos? Just, I wish I could lift all my, my limbs, all my appendages. Tell somebody next to you, I've had some boo-boos that I need for God to turn around. I need for God to turn around. Tell somebody, I've made some mistakes in my life. I've made some mistakes. There's, I, tell somebody, I have some regrettable things in my life. I wish I'd never done that. Tell somebody, come on, humble yourself. Tell somebody, I wish I'd never done that. Wish I'd never done that. Some of y'all just looking down. Oh, it's all right, it's all right, it's all right, oh, it's all right. Some of you are talking to your feet. I know, I get it, I get it. I get it. I'm just giving you talking points to talk to God. If you can't talk to somebody else, at least talk to him. The only problem is he's going he's to direct you eventually to somebody else. So you can humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you. When the time is right, and the time is right. The time is right. Number three, redeem means. This is powerful. Redeem means, number one, to compensate for the faults or bad aspects of something or someone. Tell somebody, that's talking about me. <laughs> talking about me. I know it's talking about me, so you know, I'll I, I speak for me. I'll speak for me. I won't speak for thee, I'll speak for me. Number two, it means to gain or regain. Say regain. regain. Possession of something or someone in exchange for payment. In exchange for payment. In exchange, somebody's got to pay. Somebody's got to pay for you to regain it. Somebody's got to pay for you to get it back. Somebody's got to pay for you to gain possession. Somebody's got to pay for it. And nothing's free. Your salvation was not free. Jesus paid dearly. It's free for you. But it wasn't free. Nobody ever paid more than what Jesus paid for you. Nobody. Nobody. No one, no one ever proved love like Jesus proved it to you when he paid the ultimate price. And the greatest price he paid was not on the cross in terms of the physical anguish and the physiological anguish, which doctors tell us was inscrutable. They don't know how he survived as long as he did. But the greatest pain he experienced was being separated from his father because he took on your sins and my sins. That hurt him the most. Because he had abided with him forever. He had eternally been with his father. But he separated himself from his father for you. Yes. And for me. How dare you come into this church and not act like a wild man, a wild woman when we're praising God. Because he did that for you. Yes. I don't care how bad your week has been. Imagine his week. Which culminated at Calvary. 
Friday night. So I don't want to compensate for the faults of, of, or bad aspects of somebody or something. Or, and it, it, you gain and regain possession in exchange for payment. So let's look at, let's look at 19, Luke 19 and 10. Luke 19 and 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save. Look, look, look at what it says. That which was lost. That which was lost. That which was lost. Anybody lost anything? Lost vision. Lost destiny. Lost purpose. Lost identity. Lost self-value. Lost self-esteem. Lost self-image. Jesus came. To restore what was lost. And he's not done until everything is restored. He wants you to have vision, have purpose, know where you're going. So write this down. The lost person or areas and things in life. The lost person or areas and things in life. Number five, number five. Write this down. Jesus paid it all in full. Jesus paid it all in full. Read that verse later. Jesus paid it all. He purchased our shalom. He purchased. Now, the King James says the chastisement that was laid upon him paid for our peace, which is in the Hebrew, shalom. Nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing lacking, everything supplied, nothing needed repair, everything in abundance. Shalom. Say shalom. Jesus paid for, 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 for our shalom. When, when I'm feeling bad about myself, I go to Isaiah 53 and 5 and I quote that verse and I say, Jesus, you paid for my shalom. You see all my deficiencies. You see all my weaknesses. You see all my foibles. You see all my warts. But Jesus, I don't have to, I don't have to concentrate and focus on that anymore because you paid for my shalom. So I'm coming to claim my shalom. I know I haven't been perfect, but you bought my shalom. I know I put foot in mouth before, but you bought my shalom. I know that was a bad decision, but you bought my shalom. And I'm learning to claim my shalom because his word is true. Not my experience. His word is true. Not my experience. His experience. Is anybody listening? Is anybody listening? Because if you dwell on your experience, you will dwell yourself right out of the victories of God. Dwell on his experience. Now, it says that the chastisement that purchased our full payment shalom was laid on him, the chastisement. What chastisement meant in, in the South, well, black folk, it meant a whooping, not a whipping, a whooping. He, got, he took a whooping for us. And the, the kings in the old days, in the Middle Ages, uh, the, 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 the heirs to the throne, the princes, had, had, had whipping boys. That, that when they disobeyed, the master, whoever the trainer was, the mentor, the mentor never, never touched the prince because he was going to be king. But he whipped the whipping boy that was assigned to the prince to take his whooping. Unfair system, huh? Yeah. Jesus unfairly took your whooping 
Jesus is your whooping boy. What should have been laid on you and me was laid on him. Laid on him. They said when they were done with him, the end of Isaiah 52 says when they were done with him, his flesh looked like meatballs and hamburger. It was undiscernible as a human body. They beat him the smithereens. So you would receive shalom. Duh. Receive it. Stop whipping yourself. And receive. Your shalom. Stop whipping yourself. And receive. Your shalom. He took the whipping. No more need to whip. You all miss your golden opportunities to say amen. You miss golden opportunities to say amen. Say, so be it in my life, Lord. Number six, it says right there, John 19.30, right on your notes, Jesus declared on the cross, it is finished. I took care of it. Elphine, porphine, it is done. It is done. Everything needs to be done. It was done on Calvary. Number six, the story of Ruth. We won't read it. I got to pray for you. Write this down though. Jesus is our, Jesus is our redeemer kinsman. This incredible story, incredible story of Ruth. Read it, read the whole thing. But, but Ruth 413. So Boaz took Ruth. This, this, this Boaz, the Bible says he was a redeemer kinsman. Read, read the story. It'll be obvious. He took Ruth. This poor woman, disenfranchised woman, no, no people of her own, um, really a vagabond, an immigrant. He was an immigrant. He was an immigrant in Israel. I'm so glad that, that God still loves immigrants. I'm, I'm glad God does. I'm glad God does. I'm glad God loves immigrants. I'm, no matter how they got here, I'm glad God loves immigrants. We got to deal with some things, but I'm glad God loves immigrants. I'm glad, I'm glad that God loves immigrants because all of us are immigrants. And especially a lot of folk in here right now, y'all are all immigrants. Came on a boat that you did not choose against your will. Nobody asked your permission. Brought you anyway. You that made it across the ocean because most of you died. Crossing the ocean. Former First Lady Michelle Obama said in an interview I read recently, just last week, she said, There was not one night, there was not one night when I did not remember and I did not reflect on the fact that the house that I live in, I lived in for eight years, was built by slaves. That White House was built by black hands. But in spite of that, I'm so glad Jesus is our redeemer. We don't have to be mad at anybody. We don't have to have an issue with anybody. We don't have to be offended at anybody because nobody affects my destiny but my mouth and my heart. Oh, blessed be the name. I know it now. I know it now. I know it now. You're not going to hurt my feelings because I know you don't hold my destiny. You don't hold my promise. 
Oh, no, 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 no. All I have to do is keep my mouth right and keep my heart right because my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. And my Redeemer is greater than anything you can do, anybody can do against me. My Redeemer is the Almighty. The Lord's been telling me recently, he's been saying, because I've been looking at the world, looking at our country, and I've been grieving. I've never grieved this much. I've never grieved this much over our country. I've never grieved this much. I've never grieved this much. I see so much wrong. My eyes have been open, and, and I'm just troubled. And the Lord's been telling me, Chandler, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You see all that stuff out there, you see? It's messing you up, troubling you, tormenting you. Yes, Lord. He said, greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that's doing all that stuff. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is doing all that stuff. And so the Lord's been saying, son, get ready. You and I are going to change the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to change the world. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, yes, it's gonna, it starts with me, my mouth and my heart. No limits. And nobody can stop me. And the color of my skin doesn't stop me. And if somebody will let me in, it's okay. God will get me in. I know the one who holds the heart of the king in his hand. I know the one who holds the heart of the king in his hand. Turns it whichever way he wants. Somebody may have an attitude at the airport. It's all right. You will upgrade me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. My wife and I have learned to be sweet when somebody, when somebody messes something up with a hotel room. We've gotten more sweets when somebody messed something up. There was a leak in the bathroom. Okay, Mr. Cleveland, we'll upgrade you to a suite. Thank you. That's all I want to hear. That's all I want to hear. That's all I want to hear. Bless your heart. You are so kind to me. You are so kind to me. You are so kind. Oh, bless you. Thank you, Jesus. You meant me. We were we were in Australia in Sydney last year, a year before last. And 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 I told the people checking. I said, "You need to give me a suite. You need to give me a suite." But they didn't do it. So three years, three years, three days later, there was a flood. There was a flood in the bathroom. They upgraded me to a fabulous window suite overlooking the, the, the harbor. And I told the manager, I said, I told you to upgrade me to a suite in the first place. So number seven, receive your strength and redemption right now. Stop.